I know this week I want to share a thought, um, just kind of like where we're at as a country, where we're at as a world, where we're at as a kingdom of God, where we're at as a church, big church, capital C. Uh, I think there's a felt need there for us to kind of tackle. So I'm going to do it this week, but I'm actually going to do it in a bigger context next week. So I wouldn't call... Uh, like an all-church Sunday, like it's, this is all-church Sunday, everybody's got to be here because it's really not fair with COVID and different things like that. But really, really next week, if you got plans with your in-laws, cancel them. If you got anniversary, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but for real, make next week a priority, not because I feel like, you know, oh, the sermon's going to be so great. It's just really important. And I'm a church kid, and so I grew up hearing that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's going to be here soon. He's going to be here soon. I'm like, is the guy taking a turtle to get here? Like, what are, we, what are we doing? We've heard it our whole life. But I'm telling you, we are living in such an accelerated season of the end times. And I just want to talk about that temperature right now where I just kind of see where we're at. Uh, I, just things I'm seeing. And I'll be honest with you, probably for like a year and a half, I've had like just a stirring, like a brewing, just like a, geez, you're like, am I going crazy? Is this a midlife crisis? Like, what? why do I feel that there is such a, a battle? Are you with me? Yeah. It's like, we, we are really in just a, a pressing. Uh, Haggai chapter 2 says uh, that in the last days that the Lord is going to shake the nations. It's going to shake. There's going to be a shaking. But the scripture actually says, we'll talk about it next week, and I'm not getting too much into next week. But it says that there's this shaking of the nations that's going to happen in the last days. But it says that the shaking of the nations is actually going to give us our desires. And then it says it's going to fill us with God's glory. I would say it like this. Many people think, oh, this is what my desire is, and this is what I want, and this is what will make me happy. And a lot of times those things aren't what make them happy because the scripture knows what actually is going to satisfy you and fill you is God's glory. So it's saying in the last days, there's going to be a shaking that happens among the nations and it's going to fill you, satisfy you, but it's because it's going to bring God's glory. That shaking is going to bring that thing that you really desire, that, which is God's glory on the earth. And so I see that happening at such a fast and accelerated rate. And the church plays an incredibly important part of it. We'll talk about it a little bit today because here's what I do believe. The hope of the world the hope of the world, the hope of this world is not found in a White House. Can I get an amen? Everybody's like, you hypocrite. Last week you said it was so important that we... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's... Here's what I'm having a hard time with as a pastor. Let me be frank with you. And this week I've just spent so much time on the phone talking to other pastors and other people. And people are coming to me and they're saying things like this. Depending on your outcome of the election whichever side you're on, if we have an outcome, uh, is, uh, I mean, it's like, I, I got to leave it alone. I can't play today. I'll try to play later. Uh, but, but, but here's, here's what I was going to say. The tone, the disheartening tone that I get from people, because uh, there's two sides, in case you didn't recognize that. Um, some people are like, oh, yes. Now we can get to work and God can move because this changed. Or others are like, oh no, now we can't get to work and God can't move anymore. Are you with me? There's either like this great encouragement or this great discouragement. And I said last week, if hopelessness fills you because your person didn't get in, you missed it by a mile. You missed it by a mile. The scripture says that the nations 
rests on his shoulders. Government rests on his shoulders. Literally, the, and, I, and I'm just, oh man, you guys might be here a while. Can we find some snacks or something? This might be a minute. <laughs> the scripture says, I won't do it. I'll do it next week. It's fine. So, so here's, here's where I want us to be. <laughs> is, uh, the work is the same, you guys. The work is the same. And, and again, we believe for government and kings and priests and all, the, all that stuff really, really matters. But the scripture and what we believe is this, that the hope of the world is the body of Christ. And Bill Heibel says this out of Willow Creek. He says that we know the hope of the world is the body of Christ and the body of, the, of Christ is the church. So we're not going to look to here. We're not going to look to here. We're not going to get caught. Oh, now we can get to work. Oh, we can't get to work anymore. No, the work is found by the people, the body of Christ, going out and living our great commission. Amen. Yeah. Jesus said, here's what it's about. Here's what it all boils down to. It's not this person, that person, this party, that party, what they say, what they don't say, whatever. It's, here's what it all boils down to. Your commission is to go reach and save and seek the lost. It's to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and go make a difference in this world. Can I get an amen? amen. Nothing's changed. Oh, my God, you guys, nothing has changed. Amen. Oh, we better take the Great Commission out because we can't do that run right now because... Or, no, oh, guess what? We can go get the Great Commission back out because... Are you with me today? Am I making you uncomfortable? <laughs> and so here's what I would say. The, the church... It's called to be this hope of the world because we're the body of Christ and Christ is the hope of the world. Christ is the hope of the world. And so I would say it like this. We are failing as a church. I'm not saying this church. I'm saying the church. We are missing it by a mile. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died and bled and paid for everything, for everything. And you look back 2,000 years from there and we're more divided than we've ever been. We're more hate-filled than we've ever been. We're more, are you with me? What are we doing with this thing that Jesus provided for us? God says that we're co-laborers with Christ. We're in this thing with him, transforming and and, and making a difference. What what are we doing? And here's what I really felt like the Lord was saying, and we'll get into some of this next week, is this. The church needs to begin to demonstrate its values instead of just describe them. For so many years, the church, all we ever do is just tell people what we're about. Well, no, they said, go tell, go, go tell it on a mountain. <laughs> I sang that song one time. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll give you that. But all we do is we line up all our things in cute little rows and we get all of our speeches and perfect things, but we never go out and live what we describe. We describe it. We describe it. We describe it. We describe it. And we never actually go out and demonstrate how God is making a difference and how God has empowered us and how God wants to see people set free. Can I get an Amen. So we've got to get in a position as the body of Christ to be a people who demonstrate that there is hope for this world. We need to stop articulating the power of God and start activating the power of God. Well, when God comes, it's going to be, and we're articulating about all the things. Instead of just being like, God, we want to see you move. Do it. Do it again, Lord. Activate us in this. Are you with me? And so there's this great shaking of the nations that I believe God is doing, and it's, it's good. Everybody say, it's good. You're like, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> of course you don't like it. But here's the thing with the shaking of nations. Imagine with me sand. Maybe you got that little sand sifter thing. Anytime there's a shaking, what is solid remains. 
So the bigger pebble, the bigger rock, when you shake away all the thin things. So God is shaking because he wants what's solid to come to the top. Don't we all want what's solid to come to the top? Don't we all want the absolute truth to actually make its way to the top? Can I get an amen today? We need a shaking. You still don't like it when I say that, but we need it. So I want to, I've, I've preached this sermon just a couple years ago, and, and I changed it up because, and I hope you bear with me, I didn't actually love how I delivered all this in first service, but uh, God's going to help me in this one. But, but I preached the sermon a couple, but God really put it on my heart, like I want you to say this this week, and he's having me hold over next week's sermon for next week, and so that's kind of where we are. So I'm uh, just praying and asking God, all right, what do you want me to, and I'm hearing what people are saying, and of course I'm, I'm just looking at everything, and again, this is not a sermon about, about me being like, this guy won or this guy lost or they don't don't make it too political than it needs to be everybody say okay all right so here's where we are though regardless of all the conditions we all know that this is this is just a discouraging sort of season to be in when you look at the way we're treating and talking and all this kind of stuff there needs to be some people set free. We're, we have some thought patterns and some, some ways of living that are in bondage. Can I get an amen with that? And so the Lord really just took me to Moses. He took me to the story of Moses, and this is where we're all going to find ourselves, okay? And so this great picture of here's this guy, Moses, who Moses, God chooses to deliver captives, to set people free. God says, Moses, I'm going to use you to set my people free. You guys know the story. And really the same commission and the same call is on every person in this room right now. God is saying, hey, you, right where you are, I want to, choose, I want to use you to set my people free. Amen. Amen. I hope Facebook's giving me a little bit more interaction and some <laughs> amens in the chat. But God is saying, I see it and I know it. And we're going to get to this in a minute. I see it all. I see every single bit of all of it. And the mission is still the same. I'm going to use you to set the captives free. We're going to co-labor together to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. God's saying, I'm choosing you, Amen. no matter what it looks like. Yeah. So we're going to jump into this story, Moses, here. And it's okay if you give me a little bit of amens and some interaction. Don't make me feel so ronery up here. <laughs> Moses, uh, we find him in this story. Moses is a quitter. He's upset. He's discouraged. He's failed in his life, and so he's out in this desert season, and he's discouraged and, and depleted and, and probably going, what in the world is going on? What kind of world am I living in right now? Just all of the, you know, the people that I love and I care for, I see them caught in these, in these you know, oppression seasons and, and discouragement, and so there, this is where we pick up on him. And so Moses is walking in the desert, and poof, the scripture says this bush begins to burn. We know it as the burning bush. It doesn't mean in the desert it caught on fire. It means it was a sign and wonder. It was miraculously continuing to burn. And so it's not this, oh, look at that random fire. I'm going to like have an epiphany out of it. No, it was a sign and a wonder that got Moses's attention. Now, this is where you always say to God, like, why would you do that? Why would you not just send a prophet to have a conversation with him? Why would you light this burning bush on fire? Why would you have this like continually burning bush? What, what's the deal with that? And I believe it to be true like this. God is choosing Moses. He's in a very discouraged season. He's so beat up and dented and discouraged that he's probably not going to listen to the word of the prophet anyway. I would actually say to the body of Christ, 
we're dented, we're discouraged, we're beat up, we don't like the conditions of things. And we would say, God, why don't you just speak to me? And he's going like, I do on Sundays and Wednesdays and your podcasts and your books you read and your devotions that you study. I've got all of these ways that I'm continuing to speak to you. What I need to send to you now is a burning bush moment that shakes a nation, that shakes a world, that wakes up a people with a sign and wonder that says, it's time you start paying attention. Can I get an amen? And again, don't, don't make this too political. I'm talking about the world. Take candidates out of it. Take, take, take all of that stuff out of it. Take left, right out of it. Take all that out of it. We can just take a look at the world and see we're bleeding. Yeah. We need to be healed. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so there's this experience where God understands, like, sometimes I got to burn the bush in their face. I got to just go look at the, a sign and a wonder that gets their attention. And so that's what God does to Moses here. A lot of times we think of Moses as this great big Bible man, and we see all the movies of Moses, and we think that he's going to be, uh, you know, looking at the bush and being like, bush, you, know, you know, bush that burns, how would you use me? You know, like some, but he freaked out. He, he freaked out. He's like, he freaked out in this moment. And so I believe it's okay that we have freak out moments. I'm just trying to tell you today, like when we look at the conditions of things and we, we look at stuff, and it's all right if you freak out a little bit, but it's what we do with it that matters. Can I get an Amen. So we begin to pick this up uh, at, what, at what we see here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. I got four things that I want us to see about Moses' life. God chooses Moses to deliver and set his people free, and Moses runs off a whole bunch of excuses that I feel like we're going to be just as tempted to give as Moses did. So this sermon is entitled, No Excuses. This is no excuses. God is choosing you to be a people who co-labor with him to set the captives free, and we will not give excuses. Can I get an amen? Exodus chapter 3 verse 8 says, this is God talking, says, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel have come to me, and I have also seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now here's Moses. They're oppressed, and they're in bondage, and, and they're in a terrible situation, and it's not going the way that they want it to go. And God has now showed up on the scene. He says, I see their oppression, and I see the way they're being treated, and I see what's happening to them. And Moses is like, yes, God's going to get them. He's so excited. God's like, oh, he's like, God has seen them. He's going to do it. And then in verse 10, God says, come now, therefore, I will send you to do it. We're just like, yes, we're going to do it. Oh, I almost said something that would really get me in trouble. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And then, and then he's, what are you going to say, God? And then God's like, oh, here's how we're going to do it. It's not going to come by way of the White House. Sorry. Guess how it's going to come? You and you and you and you being the body that we're called to be. I love the White House and we support all our presidents forever and ever, no matter what. Can I get an amen? God called us to. But if we're counting on that, God is saying, so, so Moses is so excited, just like we're so excited. Yes, God hears it. He sees it. He knows it. He's, and then God's like, you. Moses is like, no. <laughs> Me, oh no, me. It's the same thing you're doing right now. You want to see this world changed? You want to see God in revival? God is choosing you and me. Therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
God's answer is it's not going to be the pastor. It's not going to be the band. It's not going to be the, it's going to be you. It's going to be me and you doing what God called us to do, which is co-laboring with Christ to live out the great commission. Can I get an amen today? Moses wrestles with God, which we would all too, and he gives back four excuses that I want to look at today. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Point number one is who am I? You might be finding yourself the same way. You're hearing me tell you that you are equipped and able to fulfill the great commission to go into the highways and byways and reach the lost and preach the gospel and make a difference. But your response to that might be like, hold on, pause. Who am I? You don't understand. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I, I, I'm not educated. You might be saying, who am I? God only uses special people, smart people, talented people, people with a good background. Pastor Josh, you don't understand. My history is rough. God can't use me. Who, who am I? And what I love about God in verse 12, so he says back to Moses, I will certainly be with you. You know what's amazing? God doesn't even argue with him that he's a nobody. God doesn't even argue with you that you're a nobody because <laughs> we're nobodies. We came from dust. I know we think we figured a few things out because we read a couple books. Can I get it? You know? But God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to have a conversation about your capability because all that matters is that I'm with you. I'm with you. We love to preach. If God is for me, nobody can be against me. And we love to claim our blessing with that one. But how about this one? When nobody is for you, God is with you. <laughs> we love to turn it all into like a prosperity message. But when nobody is for you, when there's nothing for you, when there's no... Imagine, you know, it seems like such a funny word in the time that we're living in, but imagine being the Chinese church, right? Where you're literally right now, it's, it's against the law, the persecution. I'm talking about you're living in a place where literally everything is against you to be able to worship. Yeah. And the only thing that matters is I'm certainly with you. Yeah. Could we get to that place? Amen. So we make all these excuses like, well, but, but you don't understand right now. I'm in a season where I got this thing. And God's like, but I'm with you. <laughs> well, no, I got to work this. Thing. No, no, I'm with you. That's what matters is that I'm with you. So all that matters, I want you to walk away from here today. There is no excuse in our lives for why we can't go and seek and save the lost and make a difference in our communities and in our homes. There's no reason that we have an excuse. Why? Because he's with us. And the scripture promises if he's with us, who can be against us? To take it one step further, if he's with you, what addiction can be against you? If he's with you, what kind of shortcoming and setback, what could be against you? None because he's with us. Can I get an amen today? The truth is God, and we've all heard this, God is not looking for extraordinary people. He's just looking for ordinary people to trust the extraordinary God. We get so hung up on, oh, my faith, hope, and trust is in that extraordinary person, that extraordinary idea, that extraordinary thing. And God is saying, no, I want to move among ordinary people in an extraordinary way. Our faith, hope, and trust is not in people. It's in an extraordinary God. Amen. So then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel to say, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Point number two is this. The excuse you might try to run is this. Point number two. What shall I say to them? I don't know what to say. It's times that we're living in. I mean, how many of you just felt like that was maybe your week as you witnessed just so many different things? You just didn't even know what to say anymore. 
I actually would bet that probably every person in this room said to somebody this week, I don't even know what to say, <laughs> right? I feel, let's give you a little humor break, like I feel like because through COVID we lost all of our movies, like they didn't make any movies. I just feel like this is just gonna end up being like one crazy movie. <laughs> Like, whoa, that was a crazy movie. Thank God it wasn't actually our election. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. And again, that's not a candidate shot. I'm just saying, like, America, like, holy cow. Um, and so he says, what, 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 what would I say? And I really want you to catch this point at the core. If you read it, it just sounds like a Bible verse. But I want you to understand what he's trying to say behind this. Verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. If you break all of this down, basically what is being said here is when you go into the lost and the hurting and the oppressed, and you're trying to make a difference in the darkness, your presence needs to show up and make it obvious that I am is among you. I'm not the I am. You are not the I am. But the presence of God has come into the atmosphere and can make a difference. We don't come in with a speech. We don't come in with a Christian bumper sticker. We come in with the I am of God is love and God is hope and God is compassion and God is forgiveness and God is acceptance and God is all. I am has sent you. I am is on the scene. Are you with me? And so what am I going to say? You come in and you let the spirit of God do the saying. The spirit of God who dwells on the inside of you shows up and says, I am is here. It's not going to leave you. I, I can barely say this. The reason I'm emotional is because in between services, I was hearing a story uh, of somebody who uh, had become pregnant and came to this church and uh, came to this church and was rejected by church after church in town because this person was pregnant out of wedlock. And so, again, coming in. And she begins to tell me the testimony just minutes ago in service. She begins to just tell me. Uh, she said, I was rejected by a church. As a matter of fact, I stopped going to church because I didn't like the way I felt about the way Christians treated me because of this situation. And she said, I came, I came here to this church. And she said, you came up to me and you greeted. This is after she had the little one, maybe six months old. And she said, you greeted me, and you said, hey, what's up? Good to meet you. Just want to let you know your little guy's welcome in the service. I do this to every little one that I see. Your little one's welcome in the service, and we celebrate that. We think that's so great. Don't ever feel like you're being an interruption. We understand babies make noise, and you've heard me say this before a million times. Like, we believe that's a sound of life, and healthy things grow. We should hear that. Are you with me? And so, and so I kind of gave her that speech in the hallway of like, hey, you know, and so what did I do? I came in with the I am of God on the inside of me. I just said, God loves you. What am I saying? I'm, I'm, I'm letting the spirit of God say it out of me. And the church has failed to do that to our generation. And so she goes on to say, she said, oh, yeah, it was amazing. So I felt so loved or whatever because, because the I am out of the inside of us. I didn't have a, a think, right? And so she goes, oh, so then I came to a, a, a book study. I came to a book study. <laughs> She's like, I sat at the table. You got to understand the, the pain of her situation, the rejection that she's experiencing, trying to do this as a single mom. So she comes to the book study. She says, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed. She's like, I just sat at this table and I just upchucked and I just cried and I said all this stuff. 
And she names two women of the church that just listened to her and accepted her and, and let her do her mess, right? What did they do? They sat at the table and they let the I am of God do the work. How are we going to set people free? How are we going to walk in? How are we going to, we got to go in and we got to be the, let the I am of God on the inside of us be real and be true. Can I get an amen today? I hope that makes sense. I started working on this sermon on Thursday. So if it's too choppy, take it up with my associate pastor. (laughs) We don't have one. So good luck. So what do I say? Let's let the Spirit of God do the saying. I can't tell you how many sermons I've preached that I didn't know what to say. And the, and the I am of God came out of me. And I'm not trying to be, I hope you don't think I'm like walking the fine line of like a heretic, like, oh, go God on the, what I'm trying to say, we all know this. I think it's common ground for all of us. Like the Spirit of God uses us. Who God is, it's the fruits of the Spirit is what I'm saying. The I am's of God. We got to let that go. And so, so I think it's incredible. We just let God lead the way. Verse, or, uh, point number three is this. What if they don't believe? What if they don't believe? And so that's a fair question that we would all ask. You might go in and put yourself out, but what if they don't believe? This is where God takes the story kind of funny. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2, the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. In verse 3, and he said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Because Moses is a smart guy. <laughs> you snake people are weird. <laughs> Point number four, or verse number 4, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. He reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. I love how Jesus or how God uh, instructs us and ministers to us in these pictures. He's trying to get Moses to understand this message. You know, Why would you have him throw a stick down on the ground? Because God wants us to go from what we can do on our own to obedience so that then God can do the supernatural. He's saying... Throw it down. When you obey me, I can do a sign and wonder. When you're obedient to me, I can do a sign and wonder. When you, when you give it, God can bless it, is what I'm trying to say today. And so he says, do, do this thing. And so he's doing this sign and wonder that he's trying to show. And uh, I believe it's the same thing. It's what I went back to saying. We, we as a church, we say, this is, th- is going to be a sign and wonder. We keep describing what God wants to do. Well, I'm going to throw this down, and it's going to become a serpent. That's what God's going to do. God's going to do it. And then we never do the acts of obedience as a church. We never actually finish the part where we allow God to use us and empower us and and, and allow us to walk in the supernatural. Are you with me? So he throws it down. And the other picture that we see that God is trying to get him to see is this. It's not your job to do the supernatural. It's your job to be obedient. We do things in the natural and God puts his supernatural on it. Another thing that I think is really cool about this story is the scripture says that God tells him to catch the snake, to pick up the snake by the tail. Now, any of you crazy snake catching people, you would know that the proper way to catch a snake is up by the head. Uh, All of you that said amen to that, you need deliverance. We got a prayer room down the thing. (laughs) But you would catch it up at the top. And so he's saying, I need you to catch it by the tail, which would have been unusual. So this specific instruction about catching it by the tail was, again, another lesson. And I believe it's God saying, you handle the little end, I'll take care of the big end. 
If we could just be faithful in the little, how are we going to make a difference? How are we going to co-labor with Christ to see people set free? It's when we become faithful in the little. It's when we keep our integrity. It's when we keep our word. It's when we walk in compassion and we love people and we stand up for truth when we need to stand up. Are you with me? We handle all the little and then God can handle the big and he can also walk and, and move in our lives in the supernatural. And so I believe God gave an awesome picture there. Verse 10 says this, Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before or after you have spoken to me. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Uh, the scripture says that Moses had a stutter, and I just wonder if it happened because of the snake. <laughs> Is that where this came from? Uh, but the scripture, he's saying back to God, he's saying, point number four, he's saying, I'm slow of speech. But basically what he's saying is this, I'm not good enough. God, I don't believe that I'm good enough for you to use me. God, I don't believe that I'm capable to make a difference in this world. God, I don't believe that I'm able to see captives set free and to move in my community and to make a difference. I don't, I don't believe that I've been created with what it takes to do what you've called me to do. And the scripture says this in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, who's made man's mouth? God's response was, who made you? When we say I'm not good enough, when we say I'm not able, when we say I'm not capable, it's offensive to God because he's the one who created you. God, I can't. God, it won't work. I won't succeed. And God is saying, I created you, I equipped you, I enabled you to be all that you're called to be. It's offensive to God when we believe otherwise. And the scripture shows it here, verse 13, it says this. But he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else you may send. Same thing we say. We go through all the rundown. I'll close with this. We go through all the rundown. And God speaks to us and motivates us, encourages us, gives us all these signs. And we still say this, God, please send somebody else. Anybody other than me? Well, what about them? They're doing good. Maybe, maybe I could just give an offering to them and they could go do it. Maybe if I could do this. And God's saying, no, no, no. I've chosen you. I've called you. I've equipped you. Can I get an Amen. In verse 14, it says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. It's one of the first times that you see in scripture that God got mad at somebody. And it was because why? It's because they said to God, use somebody else. I'm going to sit this one out. I'm busy. I'm in a season. I'm overwhelmed. I got too much on my plate. Can you choose somebody else? And God's like, no, 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 no. There, there is nobody else. It's you. That's why we removed blockout dates from planning center. It's like, no, God said you can't choose someone else. We're... You guys didn't know that there was a vote this week that happened, and uh, we voted to eliminate blockouts. You can no longer block out to serve, so it's going to be awesome. There's no recounts on that either. So, God, somebody else, somebody else, I'm not ready, I'm not able. you know. And God's like, man, that gets on my nerves when you guys do that. Are you with me? I really hate it when you guys keep trying to get somebody else to do it. Remember when I gave you the Holy Spirit, your helper is going to, and remember when I said the Great Commission is the thing that you should be doing? There is no sit this one out. There is no leave it to the White House, leave it to the, oh, now we can get to work. Oh, now we can't get to work. What are you talking about? I've chosen you. I've chosen you. <laughs> Scripture says that he heard the pain and he heard the torture of a generation. And he said, how are we going to do this? You're going to do it. I believe we're in the same condition. 
God is looking down from heaven and he's hearing and seeing the pain and the torture of addiction and suicide rate. Can I get an amen? Identity crisis. People don't know who they are or what they're called to be. So they're making crazy choices. He's looking down and he's seeing the pain and the torture and the captivity of this generation. And he's saying, hey, you go set my people free. Let's co-labor together in this great commission to seek and save the lost and make a difference. It's not somebody else's problem. Can I get an amen? I've heard the cry, now go. He said, I've heard their cry, now go. I've heard their cry, now go. It doesn't do any good. Anybody can point out problems. We're getting around the water cooler. Oh my gosh, have you seen how bad it is? Can you believe that they're trying to... Anyone can talk about a problem. It takes a whole different person to be a part of the solution. I've heard their cry, now go. I've heard their cry, now go. I love Bill Johnson says, is the way you're living worth Jesus dying for? You think about, and I know that's controversial, but all that he paid and all that he did and all that he provided for us, I don't know that it was for us to be able to sip coffee for a 20 minute worship set and listen to an average 30 minute sermon and go home. Right? Let's be honest. I don't know that the whole thing boils down to what we've let it boil down to right now. I happen to believe that there's a lot more to it. And it's not for this person to do or this person to do. It's for you to do and me to do. And guess what? That's not a burden. That's an honor that God is choosing us to co-labor with him to bring about a new world. So get out, get out of this church and say, we're starting a new world order. We should get shirts. Oh, man. Wrestling already did it. Hulk Hogan already did it. God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability. We get all bored. I'm not capable enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have all the da-da-da-da-da. Ability. He found Moses stumbling around the thing, all discouraged, all upset, whole list of failures. And he's like, I've heard their cry. I'm choosing you. You're full of excuses. Yes, you're not good enough. I'm not going to argue that. Go. It's the firm go. Like your kids. Hey, go do your thing. You say it nicely one time. Say it nicely one time. Maybe two times. If you're my wife, you say it nicely three times. Hey, we got to do it. And I say, hey, we got to do it. And then they don't do it. I said, hey, we got to. And then they start to give me a shit. Go. You guys do that one? If it's your dog, it's a kick. Go. If it's your mother-in-law who doesn't leave the house, get good. Anyway, that's a joke. I love my mother-in-law. She's in the back. <laughs> Man, I was so close to not getting in trouble in this sermon, and I just did. But that's God. That's God right now. That's God. No excuses. Go. Holy cow, go. What else do you need to see? Right? That's what he's doing. Like, what else do you need to see? Go. Get out of here already. Because... We have this honor of going and doing and living and fulfilling this great commission. And so next week, we're going to talk about what I believe that's beginning to look like in these end times. It's not a last day sermon. It's not an end day sermon. Uh, but I'm excited for what God is doing in his people. And, um, and you were born for such a time of it. So you have the great honor to be a part of it. And um, it's going to be amazing. Amen.